Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. This is the Notebook Dump Edition. Congratulations on making it through yet another week. You have uh, cleared week 18 of 52 for 2023. So well done, you. Uh, I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading, joined by my colleagues. Uh, first of all, there's Kelsey Zeiser in North Carolina. Hello, Kelsey. Hello. Dialing in from a better of the Carolinas. <laughs> <laughs> no, no need to get the states mad at us while we're <laughs> already in the intro. Just hold Listen. that off until hold the big opinions until the middle of the podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, checking in from Colorado, we have uh, first of all Jeff Baumgartner. Hello, Jeff. Bill. Hello. Hello, everybody. Uh, and we have Mike Dano from the same state. Hey, Mike. That's me. Good morning. All right. Hello. And uh, so I've got a couple of stories to promote, a couple of themes to cover before we get into whatever else is in everybody's notebooks. Uh, the first is that, uh, uh, so Malaysia is building its second national 5G network, and now it needs to decide if it's going to go with Huawei as the primary vendor, or is that just too darn risky? Um, if you want to find out more, check out Robert Clark's story on the subject this week in Light Reading. Also, um, earlier this week, we uh, released a video that explains why D2D, direct-to-device communication, is such a big deal and why we're not 100% sure there's a business case yet for this whole satellite-enhanced connectivity thing with phones everywhere. Um, there might be, but we're not sure. Uh, check out the video. We'll link to it in the show notes. And also check out Mike's story on uh, 5G operators talking about their D2D plans that's down the site now as well. And uh, that's all I have to talk about. Uh, let's go around the horn and see what's happening out there. Uh, Kelsey, what have you been up to this week? Hey, Phil. Uh, well, we had a couple podcasts this week, and uh, we had an interesting one with Fabio Baton with Aurelian, which is formerly Telecarrier, um, about SMS fraud. And he recently um, had a presentation at... Uh, the RSA event about that. Um, so it was kind of interesting. And we were joking a little bit about, um, you know, how technology is sometimes cyclical. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, SMS text isn't something that comes up a whole lot. But what I thought was interesting from that podcast was that he said during COVID, um, there was a lot more SMS fraud, which makes sense because people were eager to find out more information about the pandemic, where to get a vaccine. Um, you know, so unfortunately, hackers really took advantage of that. Um, and I think as a result, um, consumers are a little bit more wary of two-factor authentication and really a lot of, you know, SMS texts coming through. Um, they're, you know, maybe a little bit more wary about, is it legit? or not. Um, and I'm, I mean, I can certainly relate to that. Sometimes I'll get a text and I'm like, I don't even remember signing up to get these. <laughs> you know, Is right. this legitimate? And, you know, should I click on the link or not? Um, so that's, that's an interesting podcast for folks to listen to, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I, th I think the points he covered in there about um, how SMS has evolved in terms of our own usage as consumers is quite interesting because we're barely ever texting are using SMS to connect directly to other humans. It's usually to appointment verification, business to business stuff. Uh, you know, did you, you know, did you log into this device? Yes or no, that kind of thing. And those also happen to be the kinds of messages and the kinds of things that are, um, 
uh, easier to, as we saw with email, easier to replicate and spoof and, um, you know, trick consumers into clicking on something or verifying that their phone number is legit or whatever. So, um, yeah, he, he's, he covers some really interesting ways that that's being exploited and, and how to avoid it. So, uh, yeah, please do check out that podcast. I'll second, I'll second that vote. Um, <laughs> Let's see, Jeff, uh, when you're done clearing your throat, what was on your uh, notebook this week? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, earnings season is plodding along. Um, All Teach USA had theirs this week, and uh, much of it really focused on them trying to turn the company around under the their new CEO, Dennis uh, Matthew, who's a uh, former Comcast guy, and um, try to get them back to growing customers and revenue. And, uh, you know, a lot of the talk, uh, was on their fiber network upgrades focused on Northeast primarily where they compete with, um, Verizon Fios. And, uh, then a lot of talk about optimum complete, which is their new home broadband, uh, mobile bundle. But, um, I thought what was kind of interesting toward the end of the call was this, uh, small part of it that, that was, uh, got into their pay TV business, right? Like every other, Operator, ATV is in decline over there yeah. and felt like the company yeah, sort of resigned uh, to the fact that uh, it might not have the scale it really needs to move the needle uh, when it comes to paying for programming and negotiating for pricing and all that. But, um, but Matthew, he was asked directly if they'd consider outsourcing their video business, and uh, he didn't say yes. But he suggested that anything is possible, was what he said, and that they have talked about the idea, you know, particularly in areas where they're building uh, new networks and if it made uh, sense to include the video infrastructure there. So I thought that was a pretty candid response, and, um, and, and I think it's also an open question. Right? We've yeah. already seen some other operators transition some or all of their video to um, – Virtual MVPDs and other streaming services, uh, you know, Frontier's doing it. Um, not a surprise there because they're so uh, laser focused on fiber. But um, we've seen some others, usually smaller ones that are, you know, some are kind of ex are exiting the business altogether. So yeah. uh, it's just another strong signal of uh, change you know, that's going on. And, you know, with Altice thinking about it um, and admitting that they're thinking about it was uh I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, the, toward the end of the call. It yeah. kind of perked me up and I was kind of fading out. The irony too is that they're, <laughs> After an hour. Um, yeah. they're making the, uh, you know, they're making such a big push into fiber. They're, they're actually having a lot of progress and growth in, uh, in homes connected by fiber. And the irony is that yeah. they're, you know, these companies are abandoning, abandoning a pay TV product, uh, you know, kind of just at the point where they're starting to move more toward really high bandwidth networks, especially with fiber, where you couldn't ask for a better delivery mechanism for pay TV or for, you know, for video content than fiber. And yet it's just the, it's, it's right at the time that they're kind of getting out of that business. And so it's a, it's, it's really interesting how that, how that's working out. But, um, but I think longer term, even though they were down broadband, so they, they lost a few broadband subscribers over the quarter. I think their fiber uh, numbers were still on the way up. So that's a positive sign. Yeah. I think they're trying to get those lines to cross at some point. And, uh, and, and that's kind of their, their big focus is uh, where, how do we get back to growth? Because they're pretty, their markets have been pretty saturated, yeah. uh, 
you know, especially in the East with uh, with Verizon FiOS and dealing with that, a uh, little more opportunity maybe in the more rural parts of their uh, their footprint, but uh, they're not doing a lot of fiber as or nearly as much fiber out there. Uh, it's just more expensive, and and uh, they're they're moving to Doxus three one there, but uh, yeah, so they're they you know, they they have a little bit of a road to to travel. Uh, to, yeah. to kind of fix you know, what the, their issues have been. Yeah, I agree. Um, cool. Uh, let's see. Shall we move on, or, or do you have? Did you have anything else, or do you want to? Do you want to uh, hand it off to Mike? Oh no, we can hand it off to Mike. All right, cool. Uh, Mike, what, uh, what what occupied your time this week? Wait, Mike, you got to grab it. He's handing it off to you. Yeah, oh, I got it. Thanks, right. Jeff. For, <laughs> for the folks watching on video, this is... Uh, <laughs> I'm just grabbing uh, it. We, we pantomime <laughs> everything we say here, which makes explaining stories hilarious, so you uh-huh. should check out the video. <laughs> the podcast listeners really like that when we do things, when we mime everything. Right. <laughs> that's great. Like, oh, I have to use my imagination. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm, earning season is winding down, and, and just like Jeff, I've been uh, listening to some of the calls and reading some of the transcripts. And the, the interesting one this week that's, that's definitely worth talking about is Qualcomm. Um, and so, and they, they, they basically gave a, a pretty concerning warning about the smartphone industry for the rest of this year. So, and it's a big deal because Qualcomm is the company that supplies kind of the main chips for basically everyone, uh, Apple iPhones, Samsung Galaxies. I mean, the, the Qualcomm chips are the ones that are powering a lot of those, um, a lot of those flagship phones. And uh, the CEO yesterday gave probably what no CEO wants to do. And I'm going to read it out. I'm going to read the what he said because it was such a <laughs> just it immediately caused a stock drop. He said uh, the evolving macroeconomic backdrop has resulted in further demand deterioration, particularly in handsets, at a greater magnitude than what we previously forecast. Um, and so then he punctuated it by flushing a toilet, which was weird. <laughs> um, it was a very odd choice, but I, I support it. City. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what all the investors did, for sure, with their stock. Um, and so, Nicole so would be so you know, proud. Toilet humor in this in this podcast. I mean, come on, I can't believe it. Oh man, yeah, it's, it's we're evolving too. It was a yeah. it was a rough day, I think, for the for the folks at Qualcomm. I mean, they had you know they had some gains in um, in their automotive business, a little decline in IoT, but really their you know their core business is really the smartphone thing. So any any big drop there is is not good. They they kind of blamed it on China. You know, they said the Chinese market was going to recover. We'll see when that happens. Um, but just it was basically just sort of a big warning from um, from Qualcomm. And then um, and 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 that's but but to be clear, Qualcomm is not alone. Like Intel had really a really tough earnings report. Um, another chip maker, uh, AMD, had a tough earnings report. So a lot of the chip folks are just, uh, they're struggling right now with sort of sluggish demand. Um, but on the plus side, uh, Qualcomm, during their earnings call, you know, he, he sort of tried to paint a, a, a bright picture for the future. They talked about, um, you know, generative AI, like uh, chat GPT and stuff. And their argument was that a lot of those programs are going to run on device, and Qualcomm has already shown some of those technologies running on its chip, like not on the internet at all, completely unconnected, yeah. just running on the Qualcomm chip itself. And so they're 
their argument is that in the future, you know, the AI will be everywhere, including like running locally on the on the phone or whatever device it, it is. What's the advantage of that, of it just running on the phone? Yeah, uh, I mean, there, there's actually a number of advantages, primarily that it's that there's no privacy concerns. Um, there's there's been a, actually a lot of discussion lately about uh, you know if you give ChatGPT a bunch of information to start making decisions, it has that information and can leak it, which reportedly happened to Samsung right. um, that uh, ChatGPT accidentally leaked a bunch of sensitive Samsung data. Um, oh. And so if you run it only on the chip, that means that um, it, you know it doesn't live anywhere else, and so it can't it can't get. <clears throat> yeah, so that, that's that why I'm like terrified of doing one of those like dna tests i'm like do they just keep your dna on file like yes i watched it you y'all know i love dayline so i listened to too much of that to ever (laughs) doing the dna test like what would keith morrison do paranoid every time you go into an idyllic small town (laughs) (laughs) like oh cool i'm gonna get murdered this is great Um, Let me well, not go out after 6 p.m. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And, and if somebody looks like they would never do such a thing, that's exactly the person you need to be afraid of. Oh, yeah. Um, the, uh, having it on your device, too, I think that's where it's going to be most effective for speed reasons. But also, like, from what I'm understanding, this is going to be kind of like when we all put photos in the cloud. Like, we're going to have to understand that, yes, storing photos in the cloud and video in the cloud is overall a good thing generative ai is going to be overall a good thing but you have to decide when and where you need that capability connected to something else and when it needs to just be personal and on your device and i i think the stuff that's on the device i think it does have a lot of potential especially for uh for localized uh maps and things like that um i i feel like that could work really well on device and change the way you interact with the thing instead of looking up, you know, things in this kind of tedious process we have now, just being able to ask your phone, Hey, uh, where's the nearest this or that? And can you get me there? And is it open yet? You know, just, just giving, just asking it and kind of having more of an interactive discussion. I think if all that stuff is sort of, um, if it has some way of letting you know when it's going out to the internet and when it's not, I think that could be, uh, it could warm people up to the idea of using AI, just like they did with Siri and Alexa and all that, even though that's not really AI proper. Um, and now Siri's trying to turn my music on. So hang on a second. <laughs> she's always interrupting me. I'll always just be chatting listening. with someone and she's like, I didn't quite catch that. And I'm like, I girl, think, you are yeah, part well, of this conversation. <laughs> When she when she understands what your ha- what your one or two habits are, she just doubles down on that all the time. So no matter what I ask her, she's like, "Here's some hits from the '70s," and I'm like, "No, no, no, not now." <laughs> you know, like, want some moody blues? Wanted to talk to my grandmother. Why are you playing? Yeah, <laughs> it's like Seals and Crofts, really. <laughs> anyway, um, deep pull. Wow, proud yeah, of that. I was like, that's oh. obscure. <laughs> Look how old I am, huh? <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. Well, smartphone slump is ahead. Qualcomm's earnings could have been better, but uh, but but it but there's a big bright future for where uh, the intelligence and chips on devices are going to take that company. So don't get too worried too right. quickly. According to Qualcomm. According to Qualcomm, yeah. Let's let's uh, yeah put it 
<laughs> put the put the uh, credit where it's due and maybe the blame later if it turns right. out to go sideways. Um, let's uh, before we wrap up, how about a flash poll? If uh, satellite connectivity, uh, text and voice only were offered as an add-on to your phone plan, uh, would you pay for it? And if so, what would you pay for it? Oh, for sure. A thousand percent. I would pay for it. And I would pay I, that to me is worth, I mean, I, what I'd like to do is turn it on and off when I go somewhere, but yeah. like that's worth at least 20 or $30 to me per month. I, I think. I that's agree. Huge. And and with the caveat that I can turn it on and off. Cause I, yeah. I think that's going to be where the value comes in for most people is, uh, is <clears throat> being able to go like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to be taking this road trip. Uh, let's say to Austin for big 5g just an example. A lot of the places I'm going to hit along the way are not going to be, you know, uh, cell, cell phone friendly, let's say. Um, so yeah, I'd love to turn it on and keep and get the monthly charge this month. But then next month when I'm mostly here at, at the house, maybe not have it on so much. Um, yeah. anybody else have an opinion? Yeah, I would probably, um, pay for that. Maybe not as much as Mike is uh, willing to, to add to it. Um, and actually, I, I kind of like the idea of, yeah, turning it on and off, but you know, maybe they could do like an on-demand thing or an enhanced package. You know, they, I know they tried to make some additional money with uh, 5G capability and that didn't really right. <laughs> work yeah. out uh, quite that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I would pay, I would pay a little bit, a little bit of a premium to to have access to that. Yeah. Kelsey, yeah, I'm, I, think I'm, <laughs> I think I'm more on uh, Jeff's side of like, maybe like if, if I could do like on demand or if I'm traveling, I, I feel like most of the time I probably wouldn't need it, but you know, then there's that dateline situation where I'm in a small town and I'm in yeah. a trunk and I got to be able to like call the call for help. <laughs> So everybody's thinking like, uh, you know, going to Yosemite on vacation or, or traveling through rural Texas to take pictures of landscapes. And, and here's Kelsey, uh, bound and gagged in the back of a Toyota Tercel, <laughs> trying to reach her phone. Well, a lot of use cases. Yeah, the, yeah, the use trunk, cases are endless. Climbing El Capitan. I can't you know, see the marketing. <laughs> I know. I, I think that's the yeah. best commercial. Kelsey's stuck in a it's trunk. It's like me, like, popping out the trunk in the marketing. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. in a well. Yeah, you need know. to call your emergency contact. What Kelsey's trying to say is, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it, I mean, <laughs> the other kind of sensitive thing I think that they're going to run into is how do they sell this in a big way without admitting that their networks don't cover nearly what their maps show? I mean, I think that's also going to be kind of a weird uh, dance that mm. the cellular carriers have to do is, uh, hey, you want 5G everywhere? Well, we promised that a couple of years ago, but don't worry about that. Now we have a satellite thing to sell you. <laughs> and so I, I wonder yeah, if they're going like to get behind it because it does, yeah. it does kind of raise the question yeah. of how, how, uh, you know, how wide their networks actually cover the, you know, especially the U.S. Anyway, while we wait for the angry emails from our uh, cellular <laughs> carrier partners and friends, <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead and quickly wrap up this edition of the Notebook Dump while we still have jobs. Closing out the week ending, uh, let's see, what, Friday, May 5th. Wow. 
That's yeah. uh, it's, I can't believe we're in May already. Well, hey, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will see you next time. And to my fellow editors, thank you all for doing what you do. Bye. Bye. Bye.